We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed, Pepsi, and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight, as always, is my co host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. What's up, man? Hey, man. Uh, what, 12th, 12th in the draft right now? That's what it's looking like? Yep, the 49ers with today's loss to the Washington football team are now 12th in the NFL draft order. You know, what's crazy is um, this was something that I was kind of, I don't know if I should say excited. Wow, that's an interception. That's the craziest, one of the craziest plays I've ever seen. But anyways, that was... um, (laughs) Who threw an interception this time? So it was Josh Allen. He threw the ball, and then like the tight end like bobbled it in his hands. Like he had it, Knox had it. He got hit. And then the ball, like, he lost it. And as he's going down, he's trying to grab it. He hits the ground. The ball pops up in the air. And then Sutton intercepts it. Damn. So it, it could have been ruled a fumble, possibly. I'm not sure if they would have counted that as possession. But even then, the ball never hit the ground. It was under his hands when it when it, his hands hit the ground. Ball popped up. And Sutton jumped on the interception. But um, so I kind of got ridiculed a little bit about like my kind of take on the whole draft thing. And you and I kind of went in depth a little bit on the pod about that, about how like, hey, we're not really like winners right now. Like this is not really like a winning team. Um, Losing makes more sense. Not saying we want to lose, right? I watched the game to see the 49ers win, but it's not the worst thing in the world when the 49ers do lose because you got the higher draft pick. And again, like you've said several times, we don't play. 
we don't we don't play for the 49ers, so we have no control over what happens. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um 49ers lost, and I see a lot of people like, oh, higher draft pick, higher draft pick. I saw you tweeted out about where they currently stand, you know, with the 12th pick in the draft. But um, you know, it's crazy how people's kind of thoughts on that whole thing have changed. <laughs> right. Well, to me, it's really not a complicated concept. Like, look, we're not saying the 49ers should lose. We're not saying they should lose on purpose. We're saying that right now in the team's current state, it is better that they do lose. Like we're, if you, it, it doesn't take a genius to look at the 49ers and know that they would not hang for a minute in the playoffs unless you're talking some true miracle Hollywood's already on the phone that going to make a movie about it type shit. Like the 49ers are not a playoff team. That's not crazy. They're five and eight. We're not saying that even, even, even with that, we're still not saying the 49ers should lose on purpose, but overall from a broader team perspective, that like Crocker said, since we're not on the team, we can talk about it would benefit them more for them to lose at this point. Right. Because they're higher in the draft order. There's if they, they want to trade up to get a quarterback, it becomes more affordable. It ain't going to be cheap no matter what, but it becomes more affordable. Uh, you know, they're, it, or let's just say they sit there. The player that they get is going to be better. Like it, it, it's just not it's just not that complicated. I can't watch football while we're doing the pod, man. I just saw Ben Roethlisberger throw a laser down the seam to Washington. And all I think about is, like, if it was Nick Mullins, it would have been thrown at his feet. I saw that happen several times today. It's full stuff. I'm tired of seeing that. Man, I mean, and and Ben Roethlisberger is crazy because obviously he's been at it forever and he's old. But usually, and and sometimes he makes dumb throws still, but every quarterback does. But, like – Almost every game, he has a few of those throws where you're like, damn, like he is still legit. No matter how many stories have been written about him calling, hanging up his cleats or he doesn't, his arm isn't there anymore. He's too old. He's too fragile. Like the dude usually multiple times a game will just throw like make a throw like you just said. And you're just like, damn, like you can see why he's he's still considered, you know, at least top 10 by a lot of people. It's uh, Big Ben's still no joke. But on the other hand, in terms of jokes, and I don't want to be too harsh, but the 40 – no, and you know what? That is too harsh because every time I go to just lay into Nick Mullins, who had my – what might have been – I mean, I'm, I'm looking at you, Eagles game, but today might have been the worst game of his career. It, it's at least in the conversation. But again, I always just remind myself, and Crocker's done a good job of keeping this in perspective, is he's just a backup quarterback. Like, and, he, and he's not any more special than most backup quarterbacks. The only thing that makes him special is he's got a lot of experience. But he plays about how you would expect a backup quarterback to play, and today was no different. Right. And we haven't had, like, high expectations for him. I think we've had the opposite of it. I've kind of taken the wait-and-see approach to everything that he, you know, any game that he's quarterbacking. Uh, but there are a lot of people that kind of want to make it, uh, I guess, bigger than what it is. At the end of the day, he he's a backup quarterback, and he's playing a lot more than you would like. And the longer you see a backup quarterback, because, because there is the saying, you know, the backup quarterback is the most popular person on the team until he has to play, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's a real thing. That's a real thing. So – um, you know, he's 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 going through ups and downs, but those are things that you're going to see the more he has to play. He is someone that can get you through a game. Maybe two, but that's kind of pushing it. Um, and at least look serviceable. When you start going on stretches like this where dudes start, you know, six, seven games, you're going to see a lot of what we saw today. And and it's not it's not pretty. You you backups you've said it you've said it several times on the pod. Backups are backups for a reason. Right, and if and if they're better than your typical backup, then they're not going to be the backup very long, you know. And that we've seen that happen obviously many times in the history of the NFL, but it's just it's not common. I actually have a take so, on something you just said. Oh, you know what? I'll wait because we're going to get into certain things. We're going to get into certain topics, and I have a stat up here about something, and I, I just can't I can't wait to talk about it. But you know, you go ahead. I know you got some things to say. So. But you don't you don't want to talk about it right now. I mean, we can jump straight in. We can jump into it if if you want. 
what what's that about? Okay, so <laughs> a, a lot of what I'm seeing on Twitter right now, as we're as we are, you know, talking right now, I have kind of my my Twitter pulled up so I can see my timeline and what people are talking about in the 49ers community. And a lot of it is based around offensive line or quarterback, you know, which one, right? The chicken or the egg, which one do you address first? And there are a lot of people saying, Hey, the offensive line is so terrible. You have to address the offensive line first. Right. And I'm like, dude, and we've had this discussion before we started recording the quarterback. If your quarterback if you have a situation where you're not 100% so on the quarterback and you have a chance to acquire one, whether it's free agency, uh, whether it's the draft or whatever, you get that quarterback that changes the trajectory trajectory of your team, your whole entire franchise for years. Obviously, if you get the right guy. Um, an offensive lineman, not saying it doesn't help, but I think the 49ers offensive line issues are a bit overblown. One, they definitely have some injuries to the offensive line. You've had uh, Brunskill miss games. You've had Richburg miss games. I'm not saying, like, these guys are just the best offensive linemen ever. But when you have your full starters, you're just a, definitely a more serviceable offensive line, like a solid offensive line, which is what, what they were last year. Not amazing every game, but they're solid, right? I mean, Rich, uh, uh, McGlinchey kind of sucks, but they're, they're solid. Um, well... Uh, everybody's saying, hey, get an offensive line, offensive line, offensive lineman. My biggest issue, and we've talked about on the podcast, a big issue that the 49ers have dealt with is the quarterbacks are statues, and they're not athletic to make plays on the move, right? That's been a big issue. And sometimes there's other things, maybe just not getting the ball out their hands, maybe going through their read slow, whatever it is. Maybe they don't trust that they can make a certain throw, so they hold on to the ball longer. Could be that as well, right? Now, where I'm going with all of this, one, I would definitely go with a quarterback, but Two, there's another team that has been having the same issues, right? And it's the Philadelphia Eagles. And Carson Wentz, who actually is very athletic, but everybody has said no weapons, no offensive line. The offensive line is terrible. Every Everyone on the O-line is hurt, which is true. Like their, their offensive line is very banged up. But I've been screaming, when you have somebody that can move, not saying it's just going to result in zero sacks, but it changes how teams can rush you. It changes, like, you know, even when you get pressure, we saw uh, we saw Josh Allen last week just, oh, 49ers want to pressure me. Okay, I'm just going to roll out and make plays on the move. Like, we saw that. That's what, when you have that, that type of talent, you can do those things. Well, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they have had a bad offensive line. That's what everybody has said, right? Well, they played today against the New Orleans Saints, the top defense in the NFC. They rolled out their rookie quarterback, who's mobile. And what do you know? In 30 drop-back passes, Hurts, zero sacks against the best defense and one of the most ferocious pass rushes in the NFC or all of NFL. Zero sacks. So that just kind of shows, and obviously that's a small sample size, it's one game, but we're just talking about the impact of having somebody that can move. I said 30 drops back. He actually dropped back another time, I know for sure, before halftime, because he took off for 30 yards. We're talking about Hertz, who had not only, you know, dropped back and threw the ball 30 times, and was playing well, but he also had 106 rushing yards. So, when you have a quarterback and he's a rookie, there's things that you can do depending on his skill set to take a little bit of pressure off of him so that it's not like, hey, you have to make every single throw. You don't have to. We can do different things with you and utilize your skill set to win the game, in which they did. They won 24 to 21. 49ers can't do that with Nick Mullins. You have to depend on Nick Mullins throwing the ball with his arm, and teams don't respect it. They don't respect him throwing the ball. They don't respect him um, running the ball, they're crowning the line of scrimmage. It's making it harder for the offensive line because there's no run gaps. It's making it harder for the running backs, and everything just looks really bad. Teams blitz him with no worries in the world. It makes it really difficult on everybody, and it's starting at the quarterback position. So I say all that to say, yeah, offensive line, yeah, we definitely address it, but you don't prioritize that over a quarterback. So I just had to say that.
Oh, my bad. I didn't realize I was muted. I'm here now. Yeah, I was like, damn. You're you're over there. You were over there sweating, weren't you? You were over there sweating. I know. Um, My shoulders. I just walked away. You went on for so long about that that I just got up, walked away, went and got something to drink, just assuming that you wouldn't be done by the time I got back. But I was wrong. I'm just kidding. That's not. what I, I mean, and we talked about it before the pod, but I, what I tell to you, and it, it was just simple, is like, look, if you don't have a quarterback that you believe you can win with, and I'll be really broad with that because I'm not saying the, the absolute best quarterback. I'm saying if you don't have a quarterback that you don't you think you can win with, which doesn't that doesn't have to mean the best, then the quarterback should always be your number one priority. Like if you don't have a quarterback that you are confident in and that you believe you can win with, then it should always be your number one priority. No matter what you can work with other stuff, you know, hopefully you're confident in your drafting abilities. You can, you can draft talent, you can sign talent, but it's just to me, we've, and it's not even a point that needs proving. Like we've seen that quarterbacks make the world go round in the NFL. Anybody who's got a chance has to have a quarterback. I mean, we've seen these super rare occasions where, like, Nick Foles wins a Super Bowl and stuff like that. But obviously, you know, then Nick Foles gets his chance after that, and you realize, okay, that was that was rare. But for the most part, it's it's always about having a quarterback. And if you don't have one, you have to get one as soon as you can. And as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter what you pay to get him, as long as you get him in the building and and you start winning games. And, you know, it is what it is. It's just to me, it's the most important position on football. Everybody knows that. It's not. It's not up for debate, and it may it may set you back on addressing other talent, but it's the most important position on the field. So don't worry about it. Do what do what you got to do, and, and hopefully everything else falls into place over time. Um, so yeah, Nick Mullins. Going back to where we started, Nick Mullins had a poor game. Uh, he completed twenty five of forty five passes, which is only fifty five percent, two hundred sixty yards. He did complete a touchdown uh, to Kyle Juszczyk, uh, but he also threw an interception that was returned for a inter- uh, touchdown. And then he also fumbled the ball, which was returned for a touchdown. I believe the Washington offense only scored nine points, which leaves the other 14 for the defense, which was given to them by Nick Mullins. And both of those plays were very much Nick Mullins plays. I mean, I guess you could say, you know, it's his fault. You know, the offensive line shares some of the burden because on both of the plays, when he fumbled in, when he threw an interception, he was under a lot of pressure. But, you know, plays under pressure also define a quarterback. So what you do when the defense is getting close is just a huge part of the job, and it's not necessarily an excuse for making plays like that. So it was bad. But like I said, it was, you know, he's a backup, so it is what it is. Um, one person that we saw kind of torpedo the 49ers' efforts to win the game late uh, was right tackle Mike McGlinchey. Um, on one play, he gave up a pressure, or excuse me, um, he was flagged for holding on Montez Sweat. Uh, on that same play, Kendrick Bourne uh, made an impressive catch over the middle of the field and took it for another like 30 yards put the 49ers in field goal range, even though they needed a touchdown and a two-point. But it all got raced due to a Mike McGlinchey hold on a play where if he wouldn't have held, Montez Sweat would have sacked Nick Mullins and maybe forced a fumble. So it was a horrible play for him all around. And then two plays later, he he got he got bull rushed again, and Nick Mullins got hit as he threw on fourth down to kind of seal the game. So McGlinchey didn't do great on offense either. But Crocker, let's, let's, let's throw some positivity into the mix. There was there was one guy that was a pretty obvious superstar on offense today, and his name is Brandon Ayuk. Kind of kind of becoming a trend, huh? Yeah, well, I, I had tweeted out last night, and it kind of ruffled some feathers. And obviously, we didn't get a full you know chance to really see it because Debo Samuel got hurt on the first play of the game. But I was saying like, hey, I think the offense is going offense is going to be going through this kid from here on out, and it's clear how much they're looking for him, you know, and how much the game plan revolves around him, like just with how they're trying to get him the ball. Now, unfortunately, the quarterback situation is what it is because if it was just a little bit better, he probably would have had 160 yards. They missed him up the seam. Uh, They missed him on a deep in route, just missed him so bad too, gosh. And and that's because – so just to kind of throw some context out there, it was kind of late in the second half. 
uh, Ayuk ran, or maybe it was the first half. No, it was late in the first half, I think. Ayuk ran a deep over route, and Mullins overshot him. And a lot of, like, when you see a quarterback just overshoot a guy like that, especially depending on who the quarterback is, but when it's somebody like Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins lacks natural arm strength. So when you see him overshoot Ayuk like that, he's overcompensating trying to drive the throw, and he ends up sailing it on, you know, on Ayuk. But, I mean, that would have been a nice catch and run if he would have, you know, brought that one in. But, I mean, it was like 10 feet over his head. Yeah, there were a few of those where he just wasn't even close. And and it's a rough thing. And I, and I tweeted before the uh, before we hopped on here that Brandon Ayuk over his last five games is on a pretty awesome pace. Like, And, and, and I'm in no way saying, like, anything – like, I'm not I'm, I, for context. All I basically did was said, you know, this is this is what Brandon Ayuk's got over the last five games, which is 36 catches, 485 yards, three touchdowns, averaging over 14 yards a catch. And if that were kind of extrapolated over a season, which I'm not saying it will be or it, it, it may be, I'm just saying for context, those kind of kinds of numbers over uh, stretched out over the course of a season would be over 100 catches for 1,500 yards and and over nine touchdowns. So it's, I mean, he is just, as far as a lone little bright spot in the offense, he's been outstanding. And it doesn't take super in-depth analysis to watch a game and see that he's kind of established himself. But on the other hand, and and I know Cross got something to say about this, Debo Samuel left the game with a, um, a pulled hamstring after the first play. He had one, the first play of the game was an end around run to Debo Samuel, picked up nine yards, kind of had a uh, disappointed look on his face, and then just walked off the field and sat on the bench. So, and, and he did not come back in with a pulled handstring. And obviously that it's, it's not something where you can completely blame him. Although I'm sure there's a lot of medical um, kind of expertise to back up the idea that pulling muscles might have a lot to do with player preparation. But Debo Samuel is once again not not on the field and is slated to get an MRI on Monday. Kyle Shanahan said it didn't look great. So I don't know, it, I'm, I'm it sure you're pretty bummed there, Crop. As soon as he I, – I, I saw him in the middle of the run kind of like – I'm like, why didn't he cut up? That looked a little weird. And then I just saw him like touch the back of his leg, and I said, oh, damn. Then I just saw how disappointed. And I immediately t- uh, tweeted out like, Debo hurt. And – um. And then I just saw the look on his face, kind of like threw his helmet a little bit or whatever he did, tossed it. And I was just like, yeah, he's that's a hammy, you know, pulled his hamstring. So um, when you see soft tissue issues like that, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, something he's doing, right? Um, and maybe, you know, obviously the training staff definitely can help, but whether it's lack of being in shape or whatever it is, but, but there's something like those aren't like, you know, the high ankle sprains where that's kind of a little bit fluky. I mean, you can do different things, you know, strengthening your ankles and tendons and stuff like that, and maybe help. But if you get rolled up on, you're just probably going to sprain your ankle. Um, hamstring, when you have those soft tissue injuries, a lot of it can it, de- it can definitely be prevented. And, you know, Debo, his weight can fluctuate and kind of go up and down. That can be an issue. Um, you know, he's he was out for a while with a broken foot. You know, how, how much running can you actually do? Then he, you know, he came back and then hamstring again, and you know, it's 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 tough. It's tough. He hasn't had a real opportunity to get his body ready for this season, so we're kind of seeing the the results of that is kind of breaking down a little bit. Probably hold him out for the rest of the year, probably. Yeah, I would assume if if the injury doesn't, I just assume the 49ers would, and and that kind of goes into another point that I don't want to I don't want to rail on too much. But I think it was Akash from uh, from Fourth and Nine had tweeted something about the fact that you know it's, this is all basically Jimmy Garoppolo's fault because he's not available. And well, of course that's the case. I mean, he's not available, and you know he did miss an entire season after a torn ACL. But my my thoughts on that was like, what could Jimmy Garoppolo have done different to make himself available? Like he got tackled by an ankle, and then while he was down on one knee got smashed by another defensive lineman and, you know, tore his ankle to shreds. He's lucky the damage wasn't worse. But to me, it's like, what could what could he have done different there? Like, it just sucks. It is what it is. The only mistake Jimmy Garoppolo made, in my opinion, was coming back too early because he was obviously still 
hurting. And then he ended up getting hit again in a way where it completely re-injured it to the point where they almost considered surgery. And I look at that. I'm like, well, what could Jimmy Garoppolo have done any different? Like, he, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything wrong. He just got smashed in a play where that should have been a, a roughing the yeah, pinner. That was, that, was weird. that was weird. Yeah. And he didn't, didn't get called. And even though he got destroyed and it was pretty ugly, but I just, with something like that, like, of course, you can fall back on, oh, well, he's not available, but there's nothing he could do there. Whereas, you know, when, like you said, when you look at these soft tissue injuries, there's probably a lot of cool, a lot of medical information to back up the idea that a lot of soft tissue injuries can be avoided. They can't all be avoided, but a lot of them can be avoided, avoided by a player's own preparation for the game, what they eat what they drink, what they do leading up to the game, how intense their stretching is and on a daily basis, not just before the game. You, I, I've seen a lot of stuff about that and on, on how to prevent soft tissue injuries. So it's, I'm still not even saying it's Debo's fault, but it's probably something that's considered more avoidable than Jimmy Garoppolo getting smashed by two defensive, defensive linemen and suffering a high ankle sprain. Cause it's like, cool. That's, I mean, that sucks, but what could he have done differently? Like it, it, it's just, it's just not something he can, he can avoid. But anyways, let's, uh, let's get a quick word in from our sponsors and me and Croc will come back and kind of hit some, hit some defensive highlights for the 49ers, which are a lot more positive than what we've talked about with the offense. So stick around. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed's here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that can contact you the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. It's their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. The offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. And thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. The football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, it's made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. So anyways, rounding it into more positive things, the 49ers defense, I wouldn't say it was their most impressive game of the season, but it was up there for sure. The 49ers defense was outstanding. It was another solid performance for Robert Sala. And this is important to me because obviously the Washington's offense isn't in the same stratosphere as the Buffalo Bills. But it did show a great like bounce back potential. The four, the Buffalo Bills ran through the 49ers, and I say ran through as more of an expression because we all knew they threw the ball like crazy. But then the 49ers defense came out 
and they held Washington to nine points on offense. So let's say that the 49ers never generated any of the costly turnovers and only scored the points that they earned. They still would have won 15 to nine. So it was a great performance. The type of thing, you know, it was a, it was a reminder of why Robert Sala is considered one of, if not the head coaching candidate heading into the off season. They played well. It was a, it was a great effort from on multiple sides of, of just, you know, multiple levels of the defense, if you will, from the defensive line to linebackers to the defensive back. So it was, it was pretty impressive. Um, I mean, Croc, what was your, what were your takeaways from the defense? I mean, you don't have to be too specific, but I mean, I was impressed. what do you think? Yeah, well, it kind of went the way that I, I thought it would go, you know, really on both sides on offense. I thought that, you know, the, the, the Washington football team pass rush would give the 49ers trouble, which it did. But I thought, uh, you know, the 49ers defense going up against, you know, uh, uh, Alex Smith, who, you know, he's not as mobile as he used to be. I didn't think that he would be in not just the immobile part, but him not really being willing to push the ball down the field. So I thought that this team really played into the 49ers hands uh, defensively and 49ers definitely took advantage of it, you know? And I, I think, you know, and then once Alex Smith didn't come back after halftime and you see Haskins in there, I'm like, yeah, they, they have no chance to, to move the ball. And still, the 49ers obviously found a way to lose. But um, there was one thing that happened late in the game that I wanted to talk about. Um, there was an instance where the 49ers, with about four minutes left, were in a fourth and one situation at a, their own, what, like 40-yard line, right around there. And as soon as it was fourth and one, I said punt. Now, there were a lot of people in my timeline that was like, you got to go for it. You got to be aggressive. Here. This is my logic. And there was somebody that sent me a whole bunch of these analytics things and stuff like that. The numbers say you're more likely to go for it. They have to get two and all this and the other. My thing about that whole situation right there was it's fourth and one. Their quarterback cannot move the ball. Haskins can't move the ball. He can't. Now, if I'm at around my own 40-yard line and this fourth and one, I get stuffed by a more superior uh, defensive line. Right, that defensive line has been—they've been cooking all game. If I get stuffed and I get them the ball to the forty, and they get like five yards or six yards by you know a running back, um, you know, out in the backfield or whatever the case is, they get six yards. Now they're in field goal range. They kick that field goal. Now I don't have a chance at all. But in that situation, it's fourth and one. Whatever. I have all three timeouts, close to four minutes left in the game. Punt the ball. Now they did punt it, and they got the ball at the one yard line. Um, talking about Washington got the ball at the one-yard line. And it worked out exactly how the 49ers thought it would, and it gave them a chance to be able to drive down and win the game. Like, that was what you wanted. So, uh, you know, we were talking about the defense and how well they played, but really the Washington football team, they were no threat at all to the defense. 49ers did extremely well on Terry McLaurin. Uh, McKissick out of the backfield wasn't – he was even maybe been more impressive running the ball than he was actually receiving after having 10 – 10 receptions last week. Uh, I thought the 49ers defense played extremely well. And I thought Ward had his first interception since like 2016. I was really excited. <laughs> they said the ground. I think he had control over it, but it did touch the ground. Um, but I was really excited for him for a split second until I saw the replay. And I was like, ah, that ain't going to be no pit. But uh, good, good, good stuff. People flying around when you're running around the ball, uh, running to the ball, running to make plays. You know, things are going to happen in your favor. Unfortunately, at least on you know defensive side of the ball for each team, the Washington football team, they were able to make more plays on defense, including two touchdowns. So that was the difference in the game. Yeah, I didn't really understand the, 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 the confusion as to why the 49ers punted there because they were on their own side of the field. They're trying to keep their the Washington's lead to eight points. They knew the defense could pretty much hold them no matter what. The punt ended up landing on the one-yard line, which obviously you can't necessarily predict, but it was outstanding. And it then by the time – the 15-yard line. Like, you, you're in good shape. Right, right. And he, but it, given all what happened, Washington ended up punting, and with Brandon Ayuk's punt return, the 49ers were right at midfield. So, yes, it did cost the 49ers a couple of timeouts that they didn't necessarily have to use then, but they chose to use a, a couple of them before the two-minute warning, which I like. That's fine. And – I was listening to Steve Young one time, 
And he said he he would rather have the time than the timeouts. Well, yeah, that, that's what I mean, because teams practice genuine two-minute drills with no timeouts a lot. You know, just driving down the field and running plays that take you out of bounds and stop the clock. You know, I, I would rather make sure that that, like, almost like protect those two minutes with your other timeouts. That way, that when you get to those two minutes, you're very familiar with the situation that you're now in. Now, of course, having timeouts at that point doesn't make anything more difficult. They're obviously great to have. But I, I just saw the logic in it. You know, like, you, you, any team feels like they can do anything in two minutes, you know, if they, when they really have to. Um, but anyway, so they punt the ball. Brandon Ayuk fields it, takes it to midfield. So between when the 49ers didn't go for it on fourth and one and receiving the punt four plays later, the 49ers actually gained yards. They went from like the 40-something, their own 40-something, to midfield at the 50, right around the 50. So it, to me, it just it wasn't it wasn't that big a deal, and and right. and 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 if they don't convert that fourth down, which the offense is not, you can't have a lot of confidence in them doing. Then right. again, you've you've put Washington in position to get points that they had no business getting. Right, and that was what I had said. I, I said I I think that Kyle. Ooh, that's a pick six. Ben Roethlisberger still a pick six. Ooh, man, I I, 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 I him too early. Yeah, that's Johnson. He's out of Sacramento. So he works with my guys. Uh, Brandon Thompson, uh, he has his own own defensive back uh, training. Great, great, great stuff that they do. It's called DB Select. And I know he, Johnson, he trains with them. But anyways, um, the way I had kind of explained it was I felt like Kyle Shanahan had more faith in his defense getting a stop on Haskins than he did his his Nick Mullins led offense. Uh, on Shit, I would have game. more confidence in the defense getting a pick six than I would the offense scoring a touchdown. Right. At that point in the game, like I, I, especially if you if when you put them up against the one yard line, I would have more confidence, confident, confidence, confidence in the 49ers getting a safety and you know, at least get it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, I would have anything more confidence in anything than the 49ers offense and the way they were playing. It, it just, the way the game was flowing and, and you've, yeah, you saw, you got a full on preview, full well-rounded preview of what Nick Bones is capable of doing in one game. And there just wasn't a whole lot of confidence to go around. And I feel like you could definitely make a case of going for it on fourth and one. And there'll probably be reasons to do that too. But I just didn't have any problem with Kyle Shanahan's decision to punt it. And to me, it, it kind of worked out in the way that they actually, like I said, gained yards, ended up on the 50, and, and with a chance to score. And at some point, no matter what, the onus lands on the offense. And they weren't able to do it. So whether you're asking them to do it on that fourth and one or you're asking them to do it at the end of the game, I mean, just at some point you're going to have to ask them to do it, and they couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. So it, it's it, there's just not to me when it, with that whole situation there's just not a whole lot of blame to go around. You know. Yeah. It, it's just one thing I do want to say. I, I guess you know if we're talking about blaming and stuff like that. Kendrick Bourne um, had several drops, and <laughs> so your your boy he, heard about a bet. And right. He's trying to torpedo that shit. I know, man, because he's at. I want to say he's he still he still had three catches. Yeah, so he's at like 39 catches now. So, you know, I'm a few catches away. But I could have been a lot closer. Now, the – okay, I want to talk about – I'll talk about the, the my overall perspective on, you know, those drops and Kendrick Bourne, who he is. Um, Kendrick Bourne is a solid three receiver. You know what I'm saying? When he's your third option, that's a really good role for him, and he's solid in that role. I think some people, because I do get excited about Kendrick Bourne, think that I think that he's more than what he is. I think they think I'm like, oh, he's like some wide receiver one or can be. And it's like, nah, man, like, he, he's a solid three. And, you know, I think he can have more catches on a team that's more pass happy. But um, I think he does solid. Well, where I messed up, well, I don't want to say messed up, but I got out in front of it and I was like, man, like, he catches the ball, catches everything. Like, stop talking about all these drops because everybody brings up the three drops from last year. He dropped the ball three times last year, um, two in the Seahawks game and then one in the Steelers game. And they act like he had, like, 20 drops or 10 drops. Like, no, Debo dropped 
three times as many passes as Kendrick Bourne. Now, obviously, he's targeted more, but like Bourne didn't drop a ton of passes last year, and he made a ton of tough catches, clutch catches as well in the playoffs, big games, Saints game, all that. Well, um, the when he dropped the balls, all I heard was oh, uh, and I'm like, okay, he had a bad game, and that's how I view it. But that's not how 49ers view it. 49ers view it as he sucks. He always drops passes, even though he hasn't had a drop issue all year. Um, he always drops passes. Uh, don't throw him the ball. Throw it to anybody else. And I'm just like, man, like, people have a bad game. And he had a bad game. And not even a full bad game. He had a bad half. Like, he had a he had a bad first half. Got, his own, got, got in his own head or whatever the case was. And after that, I thought he played very well. He actually made two grabs on that last drive. You know, one didn't count. They were terrible passes. And he reached up behind one, caught it, turned, ran, got a good, you know, nice good yards after catch. Um, the other one he snagged, like, in between multiple people and tried to fight for a first down. Like, he did some good things. There was even somebody that commented and was like, looks like all that offseason work videos are paying off. I'm like, well, yeah. Like, he had a bad game. Like, it, it happens. But this is the best year of his career so far. And it's not saying, like, a whole lot. But, I mean, he's about to hit – 40 catches. Like, that's 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 solid for him. Um, but, yeah, I just had to come over and just talk about it, man. Like, he had a bad game. And I think, there, you know, like a quarterback missing passes or, you know, an offensive lineman giving up multiple sacks. And it's not like him. Like, he had a bad game. And he's had one bad game this year. He had one bad game last year. But that's what it seems like the fans kind of hold on to more than anything. I appreciate you coming over here and talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was a funny way of like, like, come on over here. Let's talk about that, Crocker. Yeah, what you got well, on your mind, buddy? What you got on your mind? You know, you know, justice for Kendrick Bourne, man. You know, it's right. still, it's still well, it's, you know, it's, he, he, he's solid. He's a solid three. And I think he plays very well in that role, but he had a bad game. He had a bad game. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's, it's, half. it is. He had a bad first half. Right. It, it's just not worth overreacting. You know, he's, he's, as long as he's on pace to fulfill Eric Crocker's bet, then it doesn't really matter. I don't got oh, no problem. Well, now, what I did want to say, and not to – those passes that he – well, one, yeah, he just flat out dropped it. The other two, those weren't good passes. Like, one – and I'm a, bit, I'm a firm believer in you got to make your quarterback look good. All quarterbacks suck. That, that's what my boy tells me. And it's on the receiver sometimes. It's not always going to be pretty. Make him look good, which he did late in the game. Those two grabs, he made the quarterback look good because those were terrible passes. But on on one, he threw it at his feet. It's like, look, I'm sprinting up the seam wide open running, and you throw a duck at my feet? Like, that's that's tough. And then another one is like, dude, I'm you, he's fully stretched over the middle, and the ball goes off his hands, and it's like, I'm fully stretched out to maximum – stretchability <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, like as far as he can stretch he was stretched and the ball ended up kind of going off his hands because he can't get any more on it like those are tough we saw the same thing with Ayuk um late in the game where a ball went off of Ayuk's hands where Ayuk is kind of settling in the open area and the quarterback just throws it hard and leads him inside and ends up going off his hands and I get it if it touches your hands you should catch it that's what everybody that's what you're taught but all catching attempts are not created equal and the difficulty of those passes and and for both guys it 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 was tougher than it had to be especially for Ayuk who is settling in the zone and then you throw throw it like I'm like still going forward and it like ricochets off his hands like Mullins and, and again I can't blame Mullins but he does some weird stuff there was another play and I heard I want to say Greasy or whoever was calling the game was like oh Good job by Nick Mullins finding the, the tight end in the open area. And I'm like, what? That's terrible. Like, this tight end was settled in a big-ass open window, settled there. And then Mullins threw the ball into coverage, and he made it more of like a contested catch. And I'm like, golly. And I mean, again, he's a backup. So, But like, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Well, there was that. Just to kind of point a little bit of funny finger at the announcers, there was that. There was that other play where, where um, 
I think it was Haskins or uh, Alex. I can't remember if it was which quarterback it was. Threw the ball to the running back in the flat, and it was tackled by Drain Greenlaw for like a three-yard loss. And then the announcer was like, you know, they, he just did a great job getting the ball away. Sure, it only picked up a couple yards, but and, you know, at least he didn't take a sack, and, and that's what counts. And the play lost like two or three yards. You would have rather the, <laughs> the running back dropped it than anything. But I'm just sitting there going, what the hell am I listening to? But right. Another bad pass. Like, that's what, you know, and it's like, like, how you threw the ball at dude's feet and he goes down and makes a catch and, like, rolls over and then he ends up getting tackled for a loss of yards. Like, that's not ideal. And that's what happens when you have bad quarterbacks. Like, sometimes they make your targets do weird things. Like, they, they the guy doesn't even know where the ball is going to be thrown half the time. Right. Yeah, it's it was not a pretty game and there was really no Mullins did a couple of good things and it, it was cool to to watch him try and, you know, battle from from his own mistakes, but there was not really a whole lot there. At that point the announcers are probably just grasping at straws trying to make things seem competitive or or worth watching, but you know who was worth watching and he didn't play for the 49ers, but Chase Young. Like holy like, that dude was everywhere. He had a true, like, Nick Bosa-type game. He finished with he finished with six tackles, a sack for eight yards, two quarterback hits, a tackle for loss, two pass breakups, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery returned for a touchdown. Like, that is a Nick Bosa game right there. And he obviously was Nick Bosa's prede- predecessor at the Ohio State. So, good for him, man. Good for him. But that was... He was a huge, huge reason the 49ers struggled so much because the offensive line right there with Nick Mullins was was bad, bad, bad. So I think that game was like, kind of that, that that was like the equivalent of like hitting for it's called a cycle, right? In baseball. What where you get all of them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a yeah. Double, a triple and a home run. So yeah, it was. It, it was it was it might as well be. It was brutal. It was brutal. But hey, I mean, he's a number one overall. Was he a number one overall pick or two overall? Somebody going? Did a quarterback go in front of him? I never. Yeah. I don't. I, I yeah, never uh, uh, Burrow went in front of him. Right. So as of right now, and I know you mentioned this is at the at the start of the pod. Um, let me get in here and check. The 49ers have the twelfth overall pick, and if we're just spitballing scenarios, let's just say the 49ers are absolutely sold. On one of the three, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Zach Wilson. Right now, the Cincinnati Bengals are sitting comfortably with the number three overall pick. One game behind Jacksonville, but two games in front of the Chargers. And that is an interesting option because, and trust me, they're going to get a lot of offers from other teams. So the 49ers are not going to be the only team calling them. If we're just spitballing, they feel like pulling on off a blockbuster trade and trading up for a quarterback. But the Cincinnati already has a quarterback, so they don't need that pick. It doesn't mean that there's not a player there worth taking, and I'm sure they'd be happy to just sit there and wait. But if the 49ers end up somewhere between 10 and 12, trading up to number three is very doable. So whenever anybody mentions one of these top three quarterbacks, if the draft still stays this way, there will always be the option that the 49ers can call Cincinnati and say, look, we will give you obviously this year's first round pick, next year's first round pick, and the second round pick the year after that. I don't know, whatever it ends up being. Uh, again, they're probably going to get a bunch of offers from other teams as well. But and, and but the, the ideal, the, the, the appeal there is they have their quarterback in Joe Burrow who looked outstanding. Now you got to start surrounding him with stuff. They've already got Tyler Boyd. They've already got T. Higgins that both look really good. You know, maybe you get yourself a few picks and start using them on offensive linemen, stuff like that. So there's a very realistic scenario where that plays out. And even the Bengals, you got the Chargers after them who don't need a quarterback because Justin Herbert is playing great. The Dallas Cowboys might not need a quarterback if they stick with Dak. Carolina Panthers probably need a quarterback. I don't know how much they're loving Teddy. Atlanta could use a quarterback because Matt Ryan's on the end of things. So, and the reason I'm saying all this is because we're going to entertain a lot of different scenarios between now and draft time, even before the season ends, just have an open mind about it all and enjoy the conversation and don't get all wrapped up in it and find your little, your little narrative trench and just stay there and 
get mad at every other situation that comes up. It's there's there's all kinds of possibilities if if the draft were today. So enjoy the fun and uh, and 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 all the different conversations we can have about it. Okay, just trying to be positive here. Yeah. You got anything else you want to you want to roll with, Crot? Think that's End good. With? Think that's good. Okay, I got one more loss before. Excuse me, loss. <laughs> Today got me talking about losses. I got one more ad before we sign off or after we sign off. So make sure you stick around with that. Analyze my my ad reading. See if it's gotten any better. But, hey, stick with us, guys. I know it's a rough season. I know it's not how you thought it would play out, revenge tour, all that good stuff. But any at, at any rate, we still appreciate the support. Thank you for sticking around and listening to Striking Gold and making what it is. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. We will be back on here tomorrow breaking down the game with a little more detail, talking winners, talking losers, and any other news that happens to come up. But, hey, for another episode, this is Striking Gold, and we are signing out. Justice for Kendrick Bourne. Peace. Football is back. It's in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.